and I'm just making sure that I have hit the button because the last podcast I tried to record, I didn't. Yeah, we heard about it in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad somebody listened to it. For The Craft Podcast, I'm Michael Rogg. And I'm Leslie Camacho. The Craft Podcast serves the community of developers, designers, clients, business people, content creators, and everybody else who uses the Craft Content Management System to build awesome products and services on the web. With this podcast, we're aiming to quite literally give a voice to the craft CMS community to bring you relevant news, to answer questions and help develop your skills, and to celebrate the things you're accomplishing with craft in your tool belt. We have been on hiatus for a bit during the holidays, and it feels really good to be back recording another episode. Uh, and this is a something of a turning point episode for our little podcast, uh, since Les, instead of uh, welcoming you as a host... I get to welcome you as a guest, so welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> and joining us also today is uh, Pixel and Tonics Chief Everything Officer, Brandon Kelly. What's up, Brandon? Hey. So for anybody who uh, missed the blog post, Les, you are now the Chief Customer Officer at Pixel and Tonic. Tell us about that. Oh, man. Uh, So I think the best way to sum it up is the main thing that I'll I'll be doing is helping people be successful with craft on the business end of things. Uh, So whether you're a freelancer or agency or internal team, um, probably the clearest example is when you walk in and you're pitching against something like Drupal or Sitecore and, uh, and the agency knows craft is the right tool. But they actually need some sort of working formal relationship with Pixel and Tonic to be able to say yes uh, to that. Uh, So um, that's kind of step one, but there is a whole bunch of stuff that we want to do after that as well. So just basically making all of us more successful in using craft. Yes, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, that sounds great, and uh, and congrats on uh, on joining Pixel and Tonic. Um, I guess the other announcement that uh, y'all have dropped um, recently is, along with uh, Les joining Pixel and Tonic, uh, is the introduction of Craft Services, um, which Leslie is, is going to be your baby. Uh, so that is the topic of this episode, is uh, the introduction of craft services. Um, so I guess my first question is, why services? Why does Pixel and Tonic need to be involved in a services business, and why now? The very easy answer is that we have existing customers right now that have clients coming to them that uh, that they won't be able to secure the work unless there is a services component that allows them to say, we are backed by Pixel and Tonic, uh, and we have a formal relationship with them. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that Pixel and Tonic actually does any of the work. What what their end client wants to hear is that, oh, if something does go wrong, or if they do need something from Pixel and Tonic, that we can be there to provide it for them. Um, with the irony being that most of the customers that request that sort of backing almost never need it. Uh, but uh, on the occasions that they do, it's really important that they have it. 
And uh, craft is, uh, I think it's awesome that craft is at the point now where there's enough of the community experiencing that, that uh, we get to go in and start providing that. And that announcement, by the way, uh, you can find that at at craftcms.com slash news. And this craft services program that we're talking about uh, lives at craftcms.com slash services. Um, So tell us about your current services program just as you launched it, as it sits right now. What does this program actually look like? I think the important thing here is that we very much consider it a, a kind of a beta program behind the scenes. Uh, and the majority of people in the partner program right now have existing clients that they needed to be able to show a relationship with Pixel and Tonic in order for them uh, to continue on or say yes to new projects. Uh, and and really, truthfully, we're figuring out what works uh, with a small set of people first uh, as a way to figure out how can we actually solve some of these problems that that craft customers uh, need us to solve on the business end of things. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah. So I guess, so you have these, these services that you offer stuff like uh, store implementation and, and custom development and, and various uh, technical consulting tasks. And you have um, a set of service partners, which are just agencies and development companies um that you can that can perform that work in a way that you can back up as a company. Right. That's I guess that's kind of where things get a little uh confusing at the moment is that there's there's really these two components. Uh there's there's the public facing um lead generation form and then there's also this this private network of partners behind the scenes um who were who were trying to work with on a one-on-one and in a group setting. Uh, basis and and trying to figure out what and how we should be uh, doing on our end to to help these guys out. I think I think probably uh, the best thing to do is give an example. So uh, a couple weeks ago, a longtime craft customer uh, that has an in-house team. Their in-house team is about 150 people in their uh, IT department. The actual company is probably about 5,000 employees. And uh, what their in-house team needs is some special custom features for particular uh, uh, projects that they have coming up this year. So they came to Pixel and Tonic and said, who can we work with? And we also want these features developed in such a way that we know it's done to Pixel and Tonic standards. And their own internal policies... Uh, mandate that they ask that question. It's not an optional feel-good question for them. It's like, hey, it'd be nice if you did that. In order for them to continue using craft, uh, if we don't say yes to this, their team has to switch to some other CMS that will say yes to that. And so uh, we've seen enough of that type of request where we need people that we can actually work with to provide those things. So um, with the service partners, what we're doing then is uh, we – kind of took the work request, figured out which one of the service partners was going to be a really good fit for that, and introduced them to the client. The actual partner does the work, um, but it's vetted by our our internal team. It really helps everyone if the people uh, at the edges that need this sort of services, if we have a straightforward way to say yes to those requests, 
uh, and then to expand those opportunities uh, as much as we can to the entire community. I think that it's worth mentioning that these types of requests are things that Pixel and Tonic has been dealing with since Craft first came out. This, the quantity of them is certainly increasing uh, as Craft as Craft uh, adoption continues to grow. And in fact, the reason that I started talking to Leslie to begin with, uh, well before any sort of like join the team idea was on the table, uh, I was first talking to him simply because I I was running out of time trying to trying to work with these types of requests coming in and trying to you know main, like maintain a network of people in my head and uh, you know deal with all these these non technical support questions we were getting. Uh, it just didn't make sense for me or anyone else that was at Pixel and Tonic to be fielding these questions. And the first time I started talking to Leslie about anything related to craft services as it is today, it was uh, mostly a call for help. Like I was, I was wondering if he had any time to pitch in and start helping as kind of a business development role for the company uh, or start fielding any of these service type of requests. So again, the... This is not a new thing for us. It's just that we've got a new and much more practical and um, official sounding answer when they come in or a process, I guess, is a better a better word to say. Uh, we have a process for these types of requests now. So Pixel and Tonic is just fielding leads from um, from agencies who are using the product or potential customers who, you know, would do a, a project with craft um, and just saying how do we implement this or can this be done or can this be added as a feature or who can do this work for us um, and the purpose or, of this or program, is craft a fit you... in this scenario yeah I mean there's there's hundred I mean there's every single one's unique in its own way you know when we when we think about staffing support and you know just kind of the general support that we that we like to give our customers um, those you know, I generally try and think of that as like technical in nature, generally related to troubleshooting. Um, and that's, you know, that's what the rest of the team is happy to help out with. Uh, the problem is we were just getting so many non troubleshooting requests. And I guess that's the best way to categorize it. Anything that's not troubleshooting, um, that I was basically, they were all falling on my plate and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not the right person to be answering them. I don't, you know, I don't really talk the talk um, and I don't, you know, I'd, I'd rather be in the code or I'd rather be helping someone with an actual technical issue. So, so if, if I'm understanding you correctly, this whole program seems basically bent on taming the chaos of dealing with leads coming into pixel and tonic that are not technical. I'd say that's definitely a major component of it as it is today. Uh, that that kind of the the initial inspiration and the initial out the gate uh, things that we're working on internally and what we've shown publicly is um, exactly answers to answers to these existing problems. So so we Pixel and Tonic um, would rather be focused on building the product, but we would like a way to you know say yes to this stuff that is coming in you know and and see that. You know that these requests can get answered in a way that satisfies. Everybody. Absolutely, I, th- I think the only thing I would 
change about that is we pixel and tonic the development team within pixel and tonic uh want to focus on the code uh i do think and and we've all we've all agreed with this that since the beginning that that pixel and tonic should have some sort of services component some sort of official answer to these kind of things uh i definitely think it's within the realm of uh you know what pixel and tonic as a company should be offering um to potential customers potential leads things like that uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what convinced me to join Pixel and Tonic um, because it, it was a it was a very weighty decision for me. And I remember that um, sometime in I think it was December or, or late sometime after Thanksgiving. I don't remember exactly when when um, Brandon and I were talking uh, through some stuff. The uh, the thing that he said that uh, that sold me that he was super serious about this is that services is like everything else that pixel and tonic does. It's about the customer experience. And so if you have companies and you have small to mid-sized agencies, uh, coming and needing these things from you and you say no, or you don't even offer a path to do that, you have effectively put a ceiling on what they're capable to, uh, what, what they're capable of with the software um, and the complicating part is that it has nothing to do with Craft's feature set. It has everything to do with how the client feels about Pixel and Tonic as a company, with the type of backing uh, that they're willing. You know, are we willing to put skin in uh, skin in the game on the project? Uh, are we willing to stand behind the community at large and partners specifically? And so, what happens if you start saying no? Then all the great uh, work that everyone else does, there's this undercurrent of, oh, craft can't perform in that, at that level. Uh, that has a cascade effect where suddenly the narrative becomes, oh, yeah, craft, craft can't help this mid 5,000 uh, person business. I guess they'll have to go to some enterprise beast like Adobe AEM or, uh, you know, or Sitecore. Um, and uh, you can see this a little bit in the uh, case study we did on the Associated Press uh, with Vector Media's team. You know, they're, they're uh, you know, we think of Vector as a big team, but they're really a small team compared to some of the global agencies out there. And they get the opportunity to work with someone like the Associated Press. And if they have to say no uh, for reasons that have nothing to do with the technical capability of the product, then the narrative that starts happening is, oh, well, Kraft can't do that, which is not true. Uh, and I think, it, I think it does put a cap on the growth. Uh, and so our goal is to be able to say, you know, how do we enable these super smart, capable teams to say yes? Uh, and what do they need from Pixel and Tonic? Um, do they just need a sign-off? Do we need to spend um, like an hour or two every month, we're doing code reviews. Do we need to provide these guidelines? Do we need to provide these marketing materials? Um, at, at this stage in, in growth, I think it's so important just to figure out the business side of these things. Uh, because if, if we don't help figure them out, it's not something that our customers can do on their own. Um, you know, these companies can't just say, well, you know, we met Brandon and Piers and the customer is going to be great, but we have this $5 million a year website. Uh, you know, how do we get someone on the phone? Should we need it? And so that's what I would say traditional enterprise seeks to solve. Um, but they like charge half a million and up just to talk. And we know from real, real world experience that it shouldn't take that. Like we want a sane alternative and we want to make that available to freelancers, to small agencies, that we really want to make sure that 
we're designing these services and we're designing these experiences so that um, you don't have to go into the madness that's, that's enterprise because we don't want any part of that world. Uh, and the way to stay out of that world is to is to have a way to say yes, but not that. Let's do this sane thing that's going to be way better for everybody involved. So then the premise is um, uh, is asking kind of what can Pixel and Tonic do from the top that enables businesses using craft you know, agencies and developers um to to get and maintain these higher stakes projects and and market and sell craft as a solution uh, you know at the same table in the same discussions as some of the behemoth enterprise players right so so you've launched with uh, a small group of craft service partners um Tell us the long-term vision. How do you see this developing um, from what you launched with? So the goal, the long-term goal, is to make a growth path for everyone that wants to use craft in a professional capacity. Like I got this awesome response to services from uh, – I guess I don't have his permission to talk about it specifically, so – um, but he said, like, hey, I'm still working at a day job, but I've started a side agency. I love craft. I want, I want to invest in it. Uh, and, what, you know, basically, I, I'm planning to quit my day job. And over the years, we've heard that type of story so many times. And the trajectory on this path is we want that person to be successful on craft. And that's basically what Pixel and Tonic has enabled so well right now. But then that person starts an agency, and then they become like a four- or five-person agency. And so this, the scope, the complexity goes up, and we want craft to be successful for that style of agency and that size of agency. And then the same person grows a little bit more, and now they're a 20-person company, and now the jobs are bigger, and we want those people to be successful. And then they get up uh, into the 30 and 40, and we want to be able to say yes to uh, those clients and those experiences. And so when I think of what it means to be a customer officer, I think uh, I think of helping to design a business career path for people that are starting out part-time, quit their day jobs, and go all the way through the chain as high as we can go. But we start with where we are right now with freelancers, agencies, the boutique uh, the, the boutique specialists who are, you know, are just crazy good at what they do. And I think in the world of web development, those smaller shops are having bigger and bigger opportunities. And I think that's really what going back to the APK study again, where Matt Weidenberg says the days of the 500,000 and up CMS are coming to an end. Like we truly believe that. Um, and, and amen. Uh, and so, that's where we want that five-person shop to have a sane alternative in those pitch meetings and have a growth path that after years of investing in a tool where they can keep using it regardless of the direction their business goes so long as they're still building web applications of some sort. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense um, to me personally um, because I'm I'm kind of right now in the stage of, you know, I started off many years ago as a freelancer um, and, and grew to a, a several-person agency. Um, and, and at some point, and it was recent, you know, I've started to kind of feel this invisible ceiling above the business. Um, and, you know, 
at some point there gets to be so much more to completing projects as a success and to gaining clients successfully so much more to it than just can you write good code and those are challenges that our agency has struggled with over you know the last year or two and so um so i for one am very happy to uh to see y'all kind of tackling this in a way that that hopefully can provide resources and and help and like you say a growth path um for agencies like me who are using crafts you know, to build projects yeah, because because here um because i want to continue that story just a little bit using you as an example because you're going to figure this out michael i've known you a long time you're going to figure it out um and and so let's say that you continue to be successful like you have been, and now you're running a 10-person agency. And think about the hundreds, probably thousands of hours that you will have invested into craft. And now you have this uh, necessary cash client-based cash flow that's coming in every single month. And now you have a sales funnel that you need to feed or the people that you've hired that you're responsible for. Like the business implications once you start getting into the five and six uh uh, staff categories start feeling, you know, they're really hefty. They're hefty with your first employee. And so right. now you get to the 10 person and you walk into a pitch meeting and you're like, we can do this with craft and, you know, and here's this awesome thing. And the other people walk in uh, with a super slick sales team and all these other things. And they start planting seeds of doubt because now as a 10 person agency, you're at these, uh, you're at these levels where you have these, slick competitive sales teams and and by no means do I promise any sort of slick competitive offer in that sense but what I'm getting at is if you know you have the best tool and you know have the right agency but your competitor that you're pitching against has created such a point of doubt in in the client's mind about the tool they come back to you and say you know what we really like you Michael but we we're going to mandate that you do Drupal and, yeah. Well, and, and, that's, and suddenly that like, is well, exactly the problem. I, yeah. Well, we can't. Well, well, we can, but now you're uh, thinking like, well, do I contract subcontract out a Drupal shop that I can't do this? And well, it's it, almost it, never a matter of ability. For us, it's always a question of, you know, we can do it a bunch of different ways. There is a path that we have chosen based on what we believe to be the right methodology and the right philosophy and the right tool set. Um, but you're right. The problem then is the higher and higher the stakes get and the bigger and bigger the projects get, the more work you have to do to convince the folks on the other side of the table, right. you know, to convince the customers and the executives, um, and, and the project managers that the tools that you have chosen are the right ones. And, that gets difficult when so many other players that are competitive with craft, you know, are offering these sort of first party enterprise level a- angles of of support. You know, a customer will say, well, you know, WordPress has WordPress VIP where the makers of WordPress back up, you know, my project and Drupal has Acquia where the makers of Drupal back up my project and, you know, on and on down the list. Um, and then it is intensely helpful if I can say yes, and in fact, Pixel and Tonic, the makers of Craft, have uh, this answer to that. They have this network, and they have these set of, of services, um, yep. and, and they have all this infrastructure where they too can, you know, the makers of Craft can support 
craft projects. Um, yep. And that the, the higher and higher the stakes get, the less of my time I already have. I already know how to build the thing. More and more time gets pumped into convincing other people that this is the way to go and having support from the makers is really crucial to that. Exactly. And and it's one of those things where at at when you start hitting that ceiling that we're talking about, the answer is rarely a technical one. It's rarely, well, if craft only had this feature, we would be able to use it. Uh, it's more like, oh, uh, well, can you guarantee a support time? Can you do these other things? Uh, can you just get someone on the phone? And, and we don't pretend to have all the right answers for those scenarios, but this is going to go back to your initial question is why services and why partners? It's because we want to solve this with a small set of people so that because we're going to make mistakes with this. Like we're not sure where the right tension points are, where the right levels are, what the exact right approach is going to be. So with the small set of service partners, we are working closely with them to uh, figure out what the answers for them and then roll them out to the community at large. And and so like I want to be able to help people say yes, regardless of whether you're a partner or not, regardless of the size of the job, to be able to come back to Pixel and Tonic and say – Craft is a perfect tool. There's no technical issues, but they're pushing back on these business-related things or what these support-related things. Can you help me say yes? And uh, and so long as we can provide a great customer experience for everyone involved, we want to be able to say yes to those, help you guys say yes to those situations. So you see the, the partner program um, growing then? Yes. <clears throat> and and uh, Brandon, are we allowed to talk about this? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, yeah so the um the next step past the partner program is that we we have something in the works that we're we're internally we're calling it the craft experts program and this will be available to anyone to join uh so long as you meet the baseline requirements and uh and we're working to get to that point as as quickly as possible uh and then we have other things in the work uh past that but um, but the partner program is, you can think of it as like a pilot for what we'd like to offer the entire community, uh, with the experts program. Uh, and then between the two of those, we should have like a vast majority of our current customer base covered with what they need, uh, in order to say yes, when it's not a technical issue, but there's a business related issue, uh, involved in those things. And, uh, that's just, um, Hard to tell on a podcast, and uh, I'm I'm an introvert by nature, but I'm really excited about uh, like getting to the, that point as quickly as possible. So the the current cadre of um, of service partners basically is a bunch of guinea pigs, <laughs> um, which which I don't know like. Um, it's more than that. It's, it's you know, more. It's, it's more that than is that. Both, it's both exciting, <laughs> but it's also it's also kind of funny because you know when y'all announced it, you know, folks start talking about it in in the Slack channel on and on Twitter. Who are these folks, and you know, how did they come to be on this first initial list of partners? Um, and I, you know, honestly, what the, it sounds the, like that that's a really simple thing at the partner level. If that continues, once we've got a um, completely inclusive, widespread craft experts program or whatever it ends up being called, if there's a level where we're actually, you know, creating some kind of partnership with agencies, if we're going to be investing personal time, we want to know these people on a personal basis. And but 
and how how did how did these people get chosen? Well, because we already know them. We know their attitude and their their uh, attention to detail and how how much they prioritize the, their own customers' uh, experience with them. Uh, we know they do great work. We know that they're they're extremely uh, skilled at working with craft. Uh, you know, and so and so they were. You know, we reached out to them, and some of them some of them had commerce projects going on and they reached out to us as well and and uh, we got to know them and and uh you know it's basically there's no there was no strictly formal process it's just these are the people that uh it made the most sense to to that we felt the most comfortable launching with and and trusting to give us honest feedback and give us you know give us their opinions on how things are working out and what they really need uh so that's that's kind of the the simple answer there the majority of the people in the program asked to be in it and they didn't even know it existed. They came to us and said, Hey, we need these things. Can you help us say yes? Um, and the program started for that very reason. Like this isn't like we had a couple, a couple longtime craft specialists come and said, Hey, we need this thing to exist. Um, and we've, uh, we've been hearing this feedback literally since craft was, you know, one month old. Uh, yep. so this is nothing new. It's just now that Leslie's on board, he's all of a sudden sensitive to them in a way that we never were and really passionate about trying to find the right answers here. And if I understand you correctly in the long term, um, it seems like most of your energy probably ends up being devoted to this craft experts program and, you know, trying to establish a really, really wide inclusive base of folks doing work with craft yes because the the idea my long-term um, responsibility is the path that we talked about you know starting with partners is easiest because i can't figure out the right answer for uh, like 300 agencies uh but i can figure out what's going to work for you know 10 to 20 partners and so if we get the basics we get the foundation we figure out what works and what doesn't um and get that to some uh, to some semblance of a system that provides the customer experience that that their clients need us to provide. Uh, then part of the like one of the requirements for being in the partner program is that you're going to tangibly give back to the community over time, and and we uh, are working out what that means. And with the experts program, we would love for that to be the same uh, same thing, where there's the spirit of share and share alike. Like the partners, we have them working behind the scenes where they help each other. Like, so that was the other, like there was a third criteria to being in the partner program. They had to have a track record of really sharing information, uh, openly, including what I would consider, um, sensitive business information. So, uh, Carl Smith and Greg Hoy run this beautiful program called owner camp. And what I learned from them over the years is that the best way to solve these business critical things for clients is to have owners share information with each other. Uh, and create sort of a safe space and a safe environment where you, where you can say, hey, man, I lost this lead. Well, wh- wh- hi, what happened? Let's talk it through. How can we make it better the next time? So when you're talking about sharing business information, sensitive business information, you don't mean client information. You mean like things that I would hold close to my chest as a business owner, like you know how I make my money and how I build my business to be more competitive. It, exactly. So, for example, Pete Senna, one of the founders of Digital Surgeons, he put forward the idea, hey, why don't you guys just do a poll? And so we figure out what all the common business objections are that we're all facing. 
And then let's figure out a plan of like what's going to be most valuable to the community to help. Like what can we put out there to help solve these objections? And the beautiful thing is, is that most of these objections will have nothing to do with craft. It'll just be solid business advice about how to grow an agency, about how to be successful with it. And I think that's one of the other things I loved about what how Brandon talked to me uh, about this early on is that like Pixel Atomic has this deep need to see their customers be successful. There's so much go going on there. And so when we talk about the customer experience, we want the experience of you being part of the experts program or part of the partner program to be one that doesn't just help you sell craft, but makes you a better agency owner, makes you a better freelancer, makes you a better, you know, whatever that is. And so here's where I, I think this goes back to why it's hard to talk about the long term, because we don't know if these are actually good ideas. We just know the spirit and the um, tone that we want to set with these uh, communities where just like the community is really awesome about sharing how they troubleshoot things, we think that there's this whole other level of this wealth of information inside the craft community that could be channeled in some way uh, to grow things with. So what actually happens will be mostly predicated on the type of feedback we get with what you tell us will, will be helpful uh, with the type of feedback that you need. Um, it could be that everything I've said is a bad idea and the best thing I do is just listen and, and create opportunities uh, that way. So yeah, it, it's just really exciting that that we get to do this. Uh, and these are the type of questions and problems that I absolutely love and building relationships between people. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, <clears throat> I want to do all the things, <laughs> but we, but we have to have a concrete starting point. So speaking of doing, you know, doing all the things, um, as pixel and tonic becomes more wrapped up in helping to answer these business questions, how Brandon, do you sort of protect Pixel and Tonic's focus on the product? Well, I, <clears throat> I think first step is I hire Leslie Camacho and have him do everything I don't want to do. Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> my, know, that's my official job description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the, uh, the long version of the title. Uh, you, know, you know, it's I enjoy strategizing about this kind of stuff, and I think I'm relatively sensitive to the need for something like this and for Leslie Camacho to come in and run with it. You know, ever since the beginning, Brad and I have talked about eventually getting into some sort of services business beyond simply answering technical questions and things like that. We've seen the need for it since the beginning, as I mentioned earlier, but the reality is that neither Brad or I or anyone else that works at Pixel and Tonic besides Leslie actually wants to do that. It's not what we're good at. It's not, we'd rather be spending our time in the code and helping people with very technical issues. I think that um, the program, you know, it's something that we've always talked about and it's something we've always wanted to do, but we know it's not something we should be doing, at least, at least the development team. You know, I mean... We'll, we'll probably be involved, uh, especially when it comes to technical consulting and, you know, helping people coming up with uh, solutions that, that are going to be future-proof in a way or have an upgrade path. Like when Craft 3 comes out, you know, make sure plugins that are being written are, are being written in the right way. Uh, but that, you know, that's stuff that we've been doing ever since the beginning, and those are technical issues that we enjoy doing uh, and, and also help us think about think about the code in a different light and help us move the platform forward. So those are, those are good types of challenges that we should be exposed to. 
and I see that I see that definitely continuing, but possibly and hopefully just with a little bit more focus on just doing those types of things as opposed to, you know, all these other things that, you know, are falling under more of Leslie's uh, umbrella. Yeah. So it actually sounds like the official launch of craft services is something of a relief for you who have been sort of doing it in the back channels unofficially since the inception of the product. Yeah. And you know, I'll say um, we did just, we did just announce this last week, but Leslie has been helping out for the past several months. And so the proof is in the pudding. We've been we've been more productive. The development team at Pixel and Talk has been more productive in the past four months or so since Leslie got on board than we ever have. You know, the Craft 2.5 and Craft Commerce, those would not have launched on on uh, the December 1st deadline that we had set for ourselves if, uh, you know, or at least my, you know, the things that I was responsible for certainly wouldn't have been as polished or anything like that uh, if Leslie hadn't been on board and helping me out. Um, he's, you know, he's definitely freed up a significant portion of my schedule to say the least. And, and probably a lot of Brad's as well. We've established that this is a healthy and appropriate and relationship and, and that Leslie's, you know, the culture match, uh, works really well. And, uh, there's definitely we an internal need for this role to be filled. And the announcement kind of coincides with Leslie taking it full time and craft services, again, it's the first time we've talked about it publicly, but but it's something that has been slowly building up uh, ever since Leslie started working with us. So it's exciting to get it out there. It's exciting to, to be able to talk about it publicly. Um, and it's definitely been a relief overall. Um, I'll, I'll, I guess, I guess uh, it's just, it's not... It's not exactly a brand new thing at this point. At this point, it's starting to feel a little bit like business as usual, which is interesting and great. So we reached out to the community um, and you know asked folks to send us questions to ask you. Um, and we got a couple of good ones in, a couple of good themes that sort of emerged from the community's questions. And the first is you've sort of answered this to some extent already, but just to put it very bluntly, is Pixel and Tonic going after Enterprise? No, I'll say no more than we ever have, which is if someone if someone comes to us and, and needs our help selling in an Enterprise-level environment, we've always been eager to help them do it. We have no interest in becoming an Enterprise player. That does not sound fun. That sounds like a world that we just don't want to live in. But that said... There's there's definitely plenty of enterprise level companies out there that have small web teams or have people inside them that that realize you know that the tool doesn't need to be enterprise level anymore. Uh, and when we find those guys, we love working with them. And you know, getting those logos you know on on the website you know through the case studies or whatever is beneficial to everyone. You know, it's it's exciting to us to be able to say this this known brand is using craft, and it's it helps everyone else make the sale. So we're definitely not against enterprise by any means, but at the same time, no, this does not represent some kind of new focus toward enterprise or anything like that. Yeah, <clears throat> the focus is what on what uh, our community needs right now, um, and the majority of that is to offer an alternative to enterprise, not to be enterprise. Um, because if, and man, I've got a big soapbox about that kind of thing, and. Uh, the short version of my soapbox is, is this. When you pursue enterprise, it adds cruft to the software. 
So like if you look at a lot of the upheaval in the Drupal community, for example, uh, a lot of it's um, because so much is uh, like there's so much enterprisey overhead uh, to the actual code base at this point that it doesn't make it tenable for a lot of smaller projects. You know, smaller in quotes, like smaller projects when you talk about that can still be like these massive, massive complex things. They're just not, quote, enterprise level. I, I'm not an enterprise expert, but I've tasted enough of that world to want very little to do with it. I actually, you know, I'm not even sure I know what enterprise, <laughs> yeah. what the word no, enterprise no one really means. Because, yeah, I mean, what does enterprise actually mean from the standpoint of software? Because, I mean, we've, you know, we've done some pretty hefty, complicated work integrating craft websites into all kinds of other systems at all kinds of really big businesses and and it seems like craft, you know, infrastructurally, architecturally, in terms of feature set, you know, craft can certainly run with and in in many cases is a better tool than stuff that I have seen with an enterprise label on it. And so I'm not actually sure what it means to consider a tool as as enterprise or not. The answer is because usually it's not a tool but the comprehensive solution. Um, So when when people say enterprise level, I actually don't know if there is a technical definition for it. But what what it means is is like, hey, our website, whether directly or indirectly, is responsible for $50 million in business a year. Uh, And so even if your particular component, like let's say for the sake of example, um, craft, even if your particular component, we want to know that the – People providing the comprehensive solution has redundancy and redundancy all the way down. And that goes from redundancy to who do I call to figure out why this thing isn't bolding uh, or my image is misaligned down to, hey, uh, our entire entire data center just uh, went up in flames and you have backup data centers, right? Uh, and so like true enterprise stuff has redundancy solutions for that all the way down. And, um, typically like when, like, like WordPress VIP has data centers and partners and, uh, Drupal's Acquia has that sort of stuff all across the board. So when they say we need an enterprise level solution, that's what they're talking about. This comprehensive, super redundant thing. Um, and their support usually has dedicated support staff contracts and it's, you know, it's meant to solve what are, I would say, very legitimate needs. Uh, but then those needs come with tons of overhead. And so what happens is that you have someone who's already on enterprise, but their digital team that doesn't need 95% of what we just talked about. They just need to get a great marketing site out, uh, and deploy it in a sane manner without bringing in this tons and tons of overhead uh they need something that's an alternative to that that still addresses a business need but doesn't come with that massive massive overhead of quote enterprise so when you talk enterprise you're really talking like these super tight sla agreements that are meant to address the needs of you know 50 million dollar corporations and fortune 100 companies uh, across the board i see Um, so so when you say pixel and tonic isn't going after enterprise we we don't mean that the product can't perform at a very high level for enterprise clients. What you mean is Pixel and Tonic is not looking to 
build its own data centers and hire its own, <laughs> right, right. you know, thousand person DevOps staff and, and do all of that right. stuff. Yeah, it, it, it would be impossible for us. I mean, we could say we have an enterprise solution and we'd be liars. Like unless we had venture capitalists pouring tens and tens of millions of dollars. And um, yeah, there's just so many reasons that we don't want that. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's actually comforting <laughs> to me, you know, just as a member of, of the community and as a developer using the product, you know, I think it, at some level, the more you invest in stuff like that, the less craft it, it starts to feel. Um, and, and I think that I, just as a, a user of craft um, and as an admirer of Pixel and Tonic, I'm very happy with and very, very encouraged by kind of the niche of the web world that you have chosen to occupy and chosen to pursue, because I think it represents a group of you know, developers and a, a group of customers and clients that are in a position and really want to do high level craft work on the web. We we feel like this is the community that we belong to. It's the one that we love. It's the it's the kind of independent spirit that we want. We don't need that overhead. We don't want it. Um, but in order to feed our families, we have to find a way to say yes uh, and hit the key points without becoming that. And that's the exciting challenge. Uh, and I, I love that. So from the perspective of one of those small to mid-sized agencies, how do you keep your services offerings from competing with your customers. So if I'm a small agency and I put together a proposal for my client and I tell them the right tool for this job is Craft and I encourage them to go check out Craft as a product and check out Pixel and Tonic as a company um, and, and my client goes to your website and sees you know a list of services that you provide and a list of partners that you have, how do you keep your offerings from competing with you know, the small to medium-sized agencies and freelancers all around the web who are using craft. Pixel and Tonic does not want to be an agency. Like, as much as possible, we want to be able to partner with agencies, back agencies, support agencies. And the purpose, the primary purpose of the services directly is when uh, the end client needs a formal relationship with Pixel and Tonic in some capacity in order for them to be able to use it internally. So in the scenario you're describing, um, that's a situation that's only going to escalate. Uh, and uh, right now there's a small number, but you know, in the future when we have the experts program up, there you know, could be hundreds of other competitors that are, are listed there. I think most uh, most software where you're doing it for the web have uh, community networking type components. So I, I don't think that it's actually going to be, uh, that big of an issue, um, because we certainly do not want to compete with anyone in the community. Uh, we, um, we want to avoid that, you know, maybe there's something that we can do on our end to help support that idea. Uh, I think if you were super concerned about it, you could just email me and say, Hey, I've got this client. I'm, I'm, on this job, on this pitch, uh, if you hear from so-and-so, uh, let them know uh, that it's me or whatever. But I, I really think that's an extreme case. I really doubt that we would see, um, see, that, see that scenario come up too often. I would say that if we do 
see cases where we have inadvertently been in competition with someone like this that we really want to know about them because we do want to be active about avoiding that. Um, cause that, that, that is definitely not what we're trying to do at all. I think, uh, another interesting point to make is, is rather than looking at it as this potential competitor, uh, which again, we're definitely not trying to be and have no interest in being, uh, a lot of a lot of people have actually uh, been asking for something similar to this as a as a tool uh, when they're trying to pitch craft to a client. You know, being a new product, uh, relatively new uh, internet you're speaking compared to uh, WordPress or or the other CMSs that the client might have heard of. Uh, there's often a concern like, what happens if if you guys go away? What happens if our relationship goes sour? Who am I going to turn to to continue maintaining this? this website and and what we've done with with this listing and and uh this you know again this is only going to get better as we add more agencies especially when the experts program comes is we're giving you an answer you point them to this page and and you tell them look you can either contact pixel and tonic directly and they can hook you up with someone or you can or you can reach out to the different agencies that are listed here you've just given them the answer that they were looking for it's it's just this it's the safety net that they need to go forward with your recommendation to use craft. So, you know, and I, I really don't see that as ever being turned on the agency like, oh, there's other agencies that use craft. So maybe I'll go with them. Like, of course there's other agencies that use craft, you know, and they, they chose you to be they're talking to you to begin with. Like, so you've already got a major leg up against anyone else. You're the one that's that's got their, their phone number. All right. I yeah. one of the um I was talking with someone who is uh, wanted to know about the service partner program, and he has this sentence like, we sell design, trust, and commitment or something like that. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, and that is so true. Like you have such a leg up when you're working directly with your client, uh, building that trust in there. Uh, and we want to help you build that trust factor. And so I am really serious. Like if it, if it does become an issue, um, whether it's a, a widespread or only happens once or twice, I really do want to know about it and figure out, um, how we can help address it and turn around and have the equivalent of the buy local, uh, in the organic food industry. Like, uh, there's the, yeah, buy from your local vendor. Um, on the internet, I'm not exactly sure how that translate, but you know, <laughs> whatever that comes yeah, well, out to. Like, yeah. like Brandon said, you know, and that's, um, we, um, we run a lot of, uh, different technical communities, you know, whether it's expression engine or Laravel or static or, or you name it. A solid tool is a solid tool, and when we sell it to a client, a huge point in our selling process is to say, you've chosen us as the vendor that you want to work with. We understand your vision. We know your team, you know, and we can do this work and, and do a solid job together, but we want to plan for, you know, if we get hit by a bus, you still have a product and a setup that you can go find another quality vendor to work with um and and having that network be visible whether it's the uh the expression engine pro network or the laravel jobs network or the straight up craft developer listing you know whatever it is um i have found exactly in agreement with what you said brandon that that that's actually a a positive selling point um is that there are other quality vendors out there 
you know, who can pick up a project that somebody else has, you know, has put together. Okay, so Les, what I'm hearing from you is um, for any concern or any idea, what you covet most right now is just feedback. You're in listening mode. Yes. Um, how can how can we as a community do that most effectively? What do you need to know, and how should we tell you? Um, the thing that's most helpful to me are any anything that prevents you from using craft that is not related to the product itself. I so let me give you a great example. Um, on in the craft Slack channel the other day. Uh, was asking me, hey, I, uh, my boss is giving me some objections to craft and we really want to use it internally and I would love some dev-centric marketing materials or how can we do this? And so we took it to direct message and um, he really outlined the objections he was facing. And I think this is a, a good example of what I mean that um, we're trying to look for across-the-board solutions because the objections were, well, it's not open-source software and it's paid support and there were these other things and, and totally legit, legitimate, uh, I might add here. Uh, and two of the three things his boss brought up were the exact same things that two people in our partner program experienced last week and they matched three of the emails I got the week before. And so now as uh, Brandon and I have been talking about like, okay, what needs to be on the website in the future – um, and what, you know, how do we maybe need to address certain things? We have this hit list of things we can look across the board that we can go back and say, Hey, uh, try addressing it this way. And then in the short term, I did my best to be helpful to him on the spot. Like here's how I've talked about it. And here's where we can really leverage what we learned from our partners who are actually doing the majority of the selling, uh, because I had gotten some great feedback about how to address the open source, uh, issue. And I was able to then pass that on to him so he could then go back and tell his boss, uh, and do that. <clears throat> So basically, any objection or obstacle that you have that is not related specifically to the product, uh, those are the things I'm um, that I want to know first. If there are problems with the product, I'm also happy to hear those. But Pixel and Tonic already has great channels to give like feature requests and uh, things like that. I think that if there's issues with the product, I want to know about them. If there's a if there's a specific business case that you have for them, like. If it had this, it would enable us to do this. And so I take all that stuff back to the dev team. So that's the thing that I uh, I want to hear the most in terms of how uh, really what's ever most convenient for you. Probably not Twitter, uh, simply because the uh, 140 character limit, um, though. Going away. <laughs> yeah, probably going away. So maybe that will end up going. But most of the stuff that people talk to me about has client sensitive information with it. And so typically email or a support ticket. Uh, and my email is just Leslie at pixelantonic.com and anyone's uh, free to email me. Like, like I, I want to make clear that the customer officer is for customers. So if you're a craft customer, it doesn't matter if you're part of a program or not part of a program or a partner or not a partner. If you use the product and you have these objections or issues that you're, that you're dealing with that you just wish, oh, man, I wish someone would talk about this stuff, but it's not a feature request. Yeah, please let me know. Our plan, what we have a, is a direction that we're moving uh, that's based around the customer experience with what Pixel and Tonic is already really well known for. And we want this to be, um, and to really add and support that. Um, so what we have is a starting point, and we're really looking forward to working with uh, all of you to figure out what what is actually going to help solve these things uh, and uh, break through the proverbial ceilings.
I'm also good with a sledgehammer if you need help with real ceilings. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Brandon, I want to let you kind of close us out um, because a theme that seems to be woven into this conversation seems to be that the services program is really just another expression of Pixel and Tonic's values. Oh, absolutely. And and mission as a company. And so I'm curious, as you have watched all this play out, you know, you said that, that from the beginning, you always saw a need to have some services offerings, and, and it was something that you were interested in doing from a strategy standpoint. Um, but as you're watching this play out, as the, the creator and, and founder of this company, is it all going according to plan? <laughs> you know, what about, this, uh, what about this adventure is as you envisioned, and, and what about it surprises you? As far as the services stuff go, you know, it's 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 hard to say it's going according to plan because it's so much in its, in its infancy. Uh, actually, one of the things I'm loving about it is it's it's reminding me of, of what it was like to first start working on craft. You know, Brad and I had this idea of CMS and we had some some rough uh, concepts that could potentially make its way in at some point, like Matrix and Live Preview were both early ideas, but but how you hook it all together, what's, you know, how do you, how do you build this thing? Like there's, there's so much unknowns and there were so many brainstorming sessions and, and database design sessions and, and, you know, trying to, trying to start creating some sort of solidity to these ideas. And, and I, I love that early process. I mean, I think every developer does. Uh, and to me, it, it feels like this is, this is, reliving that whole experience again it's just instead of creating software we're talking about services but it's it's the same it's the same spirit we know that there's problems that exist uh we've run into them several times with with craft we ran into them several times beforehand with with our uh expression engine plugins uh we knew that there were these types of content problems that people ran into that that we just couldn't solve with a plugin like we wanted to uh and we knew we wanted to write a cms that could solve them but but there's so many details we didn't know. And in this case, there's so many details we don't know yet. And it's it's just a really exciting experience to try and figure out, you know, what are the things we actually can solve? How can we get from here to there? Uh, what is the long-term plan or what, what what's the long-term uh, goals we want to set for ourselves, if any? You know, but then again, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it comes down to it's just the spirit of like we want to help our customers do whatever it is they're trying to do, uh, as long as it relates to the web and, and building cool stuff and, and, you know, being successful and, and making themselves look great in front of their clients and all that kind of thing. There's a lot of excitement going on internally, you know, and it's, you know, overall, like the whole company is just like, I, at least, at least for me, I'm totally on cloud nine right now with, with the commerce launch a couple months ago now and, and craft 2.5 and then, you know, all this craft three stuff and, and craft services. There's just, there's so much awesome activity going on and the community is so supportive and excited as well. We never, we never knew how big craft was going to grow. And I, I think it's safe to say that it's, it's bigger than we ever imagined it would be. Just just today, we found out that we're on the the W three techs chart at point one percent market share of the web, and that's it sounds you know small when you say it out loud, but boy, that's that's a ton of websites that are running craft. You know, it's 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 exciting. We love it. It's bigger than we imagined, and, and we have no idea how big it's going to go from here. But you know, we we're going to stick to our guns, which is which is uh, pay attention to customer problems, find clever ways to solve them and and have fun doing it 
And so if that was the plan, then it's going perfectly according to plan. <laughs> it definitely is exciting for us as a community to be watching all of this stuff develop and to be part of it. And it is so encouraging just to be reminded of how much attention y'all put towards making your customers, making us successful uh, as we're, we're doing work with craft. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the podcast to give us the inside scoop. Thanks for having us. This has been a lot of fun. As Leslie mentioned, you can reach him with feedback about uh, the craft services program at leslie at pixelandtonic.com. You can find the craft podcast at craftpodcast.com. You can email us hello at craftpodcast.com. Tweet us at craftpodcast. We would love to know your suggestions uh, for topics for the show. And uh, now that we have one less host, um, we would love to hear from anybody who is uh, interested in getting involved with the podcast, uh, hosting a show, being an interviewee. Uh, if you've got a cool topic to talk about, we want to hear from you. So please get in touch. Thank you, Leslie and Brandon, again for joining us. Y'all have a wonderful afternoon, and we will see y'all next time.